For those of you who were here last night, we, we began this weekend, I believe the Word of God to you is entering into supernatural increase. And we explained the distinction between prospering naturally. We can all prosper. You can go to work. You can get your qualifications, etc., etc. And often we can attribute natural successes to who? To God. And it's just natural. It's natural like our neighbors or whatever. Now we thank God. I'm not, not thanking God. I'm thanking God. But there's more than just natural success. Amen. There's supernatural success, supernatural intervention. And I hope, folks, you may have gone to church for many years. And one of the problems with that is you, you, you come and you go and you come and you go. But what changes, huh? What changes? And I was explaining last night just a few examples of one day where Jesus encounters someone. And the rest of their time has changed. Isn't that true? Just one single encounter, one moment is all it takes to, to, to change you, you know, fundamentally and permanently. Don't miss this weekend. I know you're here, but you can still miss it. Isn't that true? You may be here, but you can still miss it. Your mind can be back in work getting ready for next week. So please engage. Supernatural increase. The natural is all the stuff that I do. And the supernatural is the stuff that I have to say in my heart. Do you know what? I can, I, all I can say is that was God. It was God. I had no hand in it. I, I don't know how this happened. I can't explain it. And people chase you. And people call you. And say, what happened to you? You were sick. What happened to you? You were not successful, and now look. Such a lack of that in the kingdom. The supernatural intervention of God. I had a vision last week, just in preparation for this weekend. You know when you see some pictures, you see a picture of a door, right? And then behind the, and the door's open. And behind the door, there's another door, and it's open. And then another door. And then, have you seen that? And it goes on into infinity. And I just felt God, who's inexhaustible, our, our infinite God saying, if only they would let me in. If only I could just get in. The things that I would do. I shared last night. I'm embarrassed, but it's true. Maybe once or twice in my life, two significant times, when, when I, 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 I have to say, that was God. One was in Liverpool when, when I had a word to go to Liverpool and there was just not just one miracle but a whole chain of miracles and we le I, I left Liverpool having purchased five properties, having gone with no idea and not knowing anybody. Supernatural. And I can remember the journey back home thinking, oh my God, he's still there. He's still there. I brushed up against God having been in church all my life. Come and go and come and go. But when you touch him, you know it. Because I know that wasn't me. And then again, just recently with my marriage and everything else, just totally supernatural. So many things, one after another, so much that you're embarrassed to say it. Because believers don't believe. They don't believe. Full of unbelief. Amen. It's true. Full of unbelief. Take the unbelief out this weekend. 
Make some room for God to do some stuff. Make some room for God to evidence himself. You know, in the, in the scriptures, I love what Jesus says about the parable of the sower. You all know the parable of the sower, right? Famous parable. But Jesus, when talking to the disciples, he said to them this, if you intend to move in the Christian life, if you intend to grow in anything to do with God, one of the fundamentals is this simple story, right? He said, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything because the rest of the parables are based upon this one parable. Isn't that true? So there's something in this for me. People say, I got asked this question two days ago, what would you recommend for new believers to read? Read the parable of the sower. What would you recommend for mature believers to read? Read the parable of the sower, right? Because it's foundational and in there you're going to find yourself. You know it, right? The sower went out to sow the seed and some fell on the wayside. That's not you. It's bad soil. Some fell in stony places. That's not you. But some fell among thorns. Ah, that's you. Right. I say that because you're born again. So the seed that fell on, 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 on hard ground, it never took root because the soil was bad. Not saved. The, steel that, the, 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 the seed that fell on the stony places, not saved. Nothing happened. But when the seed got in the thorns, the thorns were growing because the soil was good. Did you get that? And when God passed you by, you responded, right? Remember? You got saved. And inside you, there's good soil somewhere. There's a touch of God somewhere in you. And you received the seed. But guess what? Thorns. Right? And I need to see this. I need to realize this, the, the seed is good. The seed is powerful. The prophetic word is powerful. That's what it represents. God's speaking to me. It's powerful. The seed is good. The soil is good. What's wrong? The thorns, the thorns that choke out the good things of God. Right? And these thorns come in many, 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 many ways. Do you know, folks, if you're here in this room, we talked last night about the various countries you're from. If you're here in this room, it is highly likely that you're successful. I think of the Nepalese, right? Many people here from Nepal. You succeeded in getting to the UK. There's thousands, maybe millions of people who would like to achieve that. Wouldn't you agree? And they didn't succeed. Or from Russia. You succeeded. Eugene, you succeeded. And other people wanted to, but they weren't as successful as you. Or the Philippines. You succeeded. And if you're in this room, you're probably a success to some degree. And my message this morning, simple and not long, but my message is to successful people. People who got the visa, you got the job, you got the car, you got the house, you got married, you got your 2.3 or whatever it is now, Evelyn, kids, right? You got it all. You achieved it all. And what Jesus says in, in that parable, simple parable, is he says, just be careful of natural success kind of thing. Because that success can end up being like a thorn that grows up and chokes out the simple little seed of the Word of God. 
Basically, to put it in a nutshell, you can end up with so much stuff that you can't even see the seed anymore. And your possessions, your home, your career, your relationships, your family can grow so tall that that seed, where was Jesus again? Where was that little, tiny, little thing? Where are you with that? I praise God for success. Amen. No problem. But I want you to understand in this simple parable, everybody listen to me. Jesus said this, the cares of this life are the things that block my word. I put my word in you. I spoke a prophetic word to you, but you were distracted with money. You were distracted with your profession or your career. And my word was in you. And as the years go by, more and more of your focus is like thorns growing up around you. You're distracted by it. And sooner or later, if I want to get the supernatural seed in, I have to get the thorns out. Or at least I have to get control of my garden here. There's a man called Samuel, prophet in Scripture. It's just such a sad story. And there was a young man called Saul. And Samuel gets his oil and he goes to appoint someone to ministry because Israel need a king. And Samuel travels down and he looks around for who he's going to appoint. And he says, no, I can't see them. I know who I'm looking for. And they tell him about Saul. Remember? And Samuel says, go and find Saul. Where is he? They couldn't find him. I've got an anointing for him. Where is he? I want to bless him. I want to get, get him. <laughs> and someone came back and they said, Samuel, we found Saul. Do you know where he is in the New King James Version? It says this, we found him hiding under the stuff, in the stuff. He was in the provisions tent. Now Israel traveled with music, always. He's with the music, not with God of the music, with the music. He's with the food. Don't we love our food? <laughs> He's in the stores tent. He's in the provisions tent. Sad story, you know. And Samuel says, go and get Saul out of the stuff so that I can put the oil of anointing on the king. Hello. And God hasn't changed. The same thing happens today. That the word goes out, but we are buried beneath a mountain of stuff. 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 There's a great competition, friends, for your giftings. Heavens above. Is this room gifted or what? You know, dripping with giftings. They're everywhere. So many really beautifully gifted people. But I counsel you and I warn you this. There's a, a competition for your gift. Whatever it is. Competition for your gift between the world and God Almighty. I had one guy, I remember he stood up to testify. How I didn't hit him, I don't know. He stood, oh, such a bad testimony. Oh, what, I'll never forget it. It's in my mind now. Our church, we needed help with administration. This guy's a gifted administrator. Wouldn't serve. Wouldn't serve. Out running around, being successful. 
And our church is struggling left, right, and center. Can someone help me here, please? Our, our church was struggling left, right, and center. And you know what? One day, that guy got up, having ignored the eyes forward. Look at me. Pay attention. That guy, having ignored the kingdom, came forward in the church, took the mic, and he said, I want to testify. I just got employee of the month or whatever it was. And I thought, oh, I wonder what you think of these thorns, Lord. You gifted him. You gave him that gift. And when your kingdom needs help, he's too lazy or too distracted to serve the kingdom. And then he wants applause or recognition for success in the world. What? Oh, Jesus. Hello? The world wants my talents. The world wants my gifts. There's a battle, an almighty battle. We have a friend in Ireland named John Gray. I believe he's still alive, Roy. I worked with him. He was on our pastor's committee. And John Gray told us this story one day. <clears throat> he and his wife started a cell group in central Dublin. Put leaflets through the doors. If you want to come, come along and we'll have a Bible study. He got this phone call from a guy called Paul. And Paul said, I, my, myself and my friends... Would like to come to your Bible study. Is that okay? And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, because we want you to pray for us because we're going to start a band. And he says, okay, okay. These guys 17, you know, 16, 17. So these four lads turn up and they come in. And they sit down with John. And they he say, who are you? This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. Four men, four young men. And they said, we want to start a band. And we believe in Jesus. And we want Jesus to bless us and to bless our future and our ministry and, and, and what we do. We want God. And John said, okay. What are you going to call the band? And Paul, otherwise known as Bono, said, you too. We're going to call it you too. And John said, okay, that sounds good. So John prayed for them. And those very gifted, very talented men finished their praying, and out they went with the blessing on them. Amen? And the world, not the church, the world became their oyster. And you too, friend, can steal your gift. You can. Many pastors do it. Many pastors corrupt. Take the gifting that God gives them and use it for themselves or for their own fame or whatever. Hello? Don't do it. Don't do it. And I often think about that. When, when, when John Gray's wife died, the funeral was in St. Mark's Church in Dublin, and they kept it under high security, but Bono turned up at the funeral on the edge also, and they came in, and he said, he wrote a poem, actually, and he read the poem there at Joyce's funeral in Dublin City, having remembered all the way back, these are the people who prayed for us. These are the people who sent us out. And I thank God for the testimonies that you'll hear over this weekend uh, for Adrian or the other bands overfuse who have not corrupted their gift, but serve the Lord with their gifting. Amen? So, friends, you, you do not. You're successful because you're here. You made it, and many, many people did not. You don't lack opportunities. You've probably got the opposite problem. You've probably got too many opportunities. You could do this course or that course. You could take this career path or this. You could live here or there. Your qualification can open doors. Isn't that right? 
So you've got choices. You've got options. And just be careful, because I see the Bible seeing these as potentially weeds. And we need to cut them out and receive the oil today. We need to cut them out, even if it's just in principle. The bottom line of the parable of the sower is this. Jesus says, hey, come here, come here, listen. The world is really crowded. It's crowded out there. It's absolutely packed. And these things are going to grow up around you. See when you're successful. Don't forget me. Don't forget me, will you? Don't for, I know it's a small saying, but don't forget me, huh? Don't walk off without me like the prodigal, enjoying the lights now. Don't forget him. I, I have nine brothers and sisters in my family. And my mother said to me, my father was a very, very prayerful man. My mother said to me one day, you're the most like your father. That's an enormous compliment. And maybe there's some traits that she saw. <clears throat> because my father would always separate himself and pray alone. He would be alone with God. And we were not successful. But he never lost that. All his life, he knew Jesus. All his life, he was close to Jesus. Are you with me? And I remember when I was probably about eight or nine years old, it was a big thing for us. They were taking us up Cave Hill for me, it was Mount Everest, not a very big mountain, but, and we were going on a family trip, nine kids, mother and father, and we had a big bag of wagon wheels and jammy dodgers and coke, and it was exciting. And we got to the precipice, the top of the mountain, and my mom and my dad put the bag down with all the stuff, and all my brothers and sisters dived into the bag. But I can remember that moment, because there's all the stuff, but I turned around and there was this city, the first time in my life, first time I'd ever seen the city. And I just, even as like eight, nine years old, do you know what I did? I walked away from the stuff because I was in awe. Look at this. Wow, this is Belfast. But the older ones, they've seen it before, done all this before. Not so exciting for me. And my dad, I, I remember, is such a wise man. At one point, he said, quiet, everybody. And he said, I want you to look at Michael. Look. And look at what he's doing. My father would pray with us every day. You know that? Every day. Put our focus to Jesus. Good, isn't it? Never even read a Bible. And he said, I want you to look. Look, because he's doing the important thing. And you've lost your awe. Lost your awe of God. And the weeds drowned him out. And I can't see him anymore. And this weekend, please, chop those weeds down. And get light on that seed. The seed remains. Jesus gives us a very clear identity of what the stuff is. Firstly, you know the woman with the issue of blood. She's dying. Had a woman like this in Glasgow, funny enough. She's got, she's got an, a, a, an unstoppable issue of blood. And what was her problem? What does the Bible say? There's Jesus in the distance. What's between her and Jesus? People. Lots and lots and lots of people. 
And this woman had to have enough oomph, enough go to pull her way through the people. And just, you know, talking as a pastor, friends, the number of times you give people good advice. You know where I'm going, yeah. <laughs> and two days later, you get a phone call saying, I spoke to, don't! I called, don't! Just go with the advice. Just stick with the plan. You can always ring people who will agree with you. Hello. And this woman had to, had to set her eyes on Jesus. She had to be determined to reach Jesus and press through that crowd. Very admirable. I had a vision. It's disturbing. It was actually this morning. I saw LFC. Hello, LFC. If you're not from there, you've been there. Probably 99% of this room. Do you know what I saw? I saw our front door. You know the white door with the handle? And I saw one of you. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's more than one. And I saw how Jesus sees it. And the person was coming to church. I think it was a prayer meeting. The person was coming to church, quite slowly walking. And they put their hand on the handle. It was locked. They took the hand off, walked away. Simple vision. But I understood the vision. No knocking. No let me in. It's closed. I just go home. No problem. But this woman, she's kicking through the crowd. I'm getting to Jesus. No banging on the shutters. I'll just leave it. Losing your awe. Growing up as a Christian, becoming so-called mature. In John's Gospel, chapter 18, when they were chasing Jesus one day, he said, if you're seeking me, then leave these other people. So he said, if you're truly seeking me, then separate yourself from these other people. And I pray this weekend, that's what you do. Even if it's a heart commitment, that you do that and you let the supernatural in. Become a believer. Amen? Amen. Remember, Peter was in the prison. And supernaturally, the walls fall down. He walks out of the prison. He goes to the house where the believers are. He knocks the door. Do they believe? No. It's, it, it's Peter. No, it isn't. You know, knock, knock. Who's there? Peter. Yeah. And they can't believe. Because it's what? It's not natural, is it? It's supernatural. Can't believe in the supernatural. Jesus trying to get into someone's home. So firstly, I need to realize some of these weeds, what are they? Point one? People. People. Secondly, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, it says, was a small man surrounded by big people. And he couldn't see Jesus, but he wanted to see Jesus. So what did he do? He climbs up a tree. He gets out of the stuff. Gets himself out of the stuff. Now, your stuff, as I say, it may be your work. It may be your family. It could be your culture. Your culture can be your weeds. In every church I've ever been in, and in every culture I've ever, ever worked in, there's always someone who wants to look big. Hello. There's always someone who wants to look big. Look at me, please, folks. They better not look bigger than Jesus, huh? Better not look bigger than Jesus. Better not take the place of Jesus. 22 years ago, we did a musical in Singapore. 
I played the part of Jesus in that musical. It was called It Is Finished. We had 6,000 people each night for three nights. And I, it took them one month of rehearsals. It was a huge, huge production. Uh, and I, I had to be there 28 days standing on the stage. And there was many casts, about 60-odd people in the cast. Uh, and so the spotlight would be on me and the cameras would be on me because I was playing Jesus. But you know what? The, the director of that musical was called Mark Dacko. He was a professional director. And he would be like halfway down the hall. And we would be all rehearsing the, the play. It was a musical. And do you know the most common thing that was said all the, the entire month? Don't upstage Jesus. And it was constant. Don't upstage Jesus. So I would be standing there and someone would block. Someone would block. Don't upstage Jesus. It's not about you. Get out of the way of Jesus. In every culture. Oh yeah. Once people become displaced, they want to be the superstar of that culture. Isn't it? You can say yes there. Because it's absolutely true. They want to become known as the person who was the savior for these people. Who is the savior? Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm warning you folks, no person, no man, no woman, no grandmother, no father should upstage. Yeah. No one. No pastor, any pastor who tells you to do something that the Bible says don't do, get away from him. Yeah, thank you, Gustav. Shall I say it again? Any pastor who tells you to do something that the Bible says don't do, get away from them. Very weak. Very weak. Very weak. So be careful. Don't upstage Jesus. You were saved by Jesus. You obey Jesus. You follow Jesus. You will answer to Jesus. Not to your culture. Hallelujah. These are the weeds. Zacchaeus is a small man, but there's other people in his culture who are big. Big shots. Big guys. And Zacchaeus feels inferior. Oh, look at this. This person's famous. This person's this. This person's that. But you know what? I like Zacchaeus because he said this. I may be small, but I can climb. Oh, Hallelujah. <laughs> and up the tree he goes. I'm not going to be limited by you. I'm not going to, you know, conform to you. I will still see my Jesus. And it's him I'm looking for and it's him I'll follow. Oh, yeah. Where are you guys? And who are you following? I say this in my own heart. I am not better than anyone else. Right? Fair enough. But I also say that the other way around. Nobody else is better than me. Okay? It's important because if you don't have both sides of that, you're either going to be superior or inferior. You're going to go off the either end. And they're both mistakes. So I'm more than happy to say I, I, I'm, no I'm absolutely no better and I feel a lot worse. But theologically, I'm no better than anybody else and nobody else is any better than me. And let me say this. If they are better than me in the eyes of God, in the bandwidth of humanity, the difference is about this much. And the difference may be very famous. Oh, he's a martyr. He's a, the difference everybody may know. But in reality... 
A man's a man, and that's that. Yeah, you can give a round of applause there. Thank you very much. That's an important statement. Ain't nobody better than you. Ain't nobody better than you. And this fact is the root of many, many sins. Many cultural, many people leave their homes. They've transferred to another nation. And they live under the shadow of a human being. They get their lives constructed by people and not God. Come on. Get Jesus. Don't upstage Jesus. Don't let anybody else upstage Jesus. Get up that tree. Get up that tree. Fight for it. Number one, the woman with the issue of blood. People were her weeds. People were her thorns. Zacchaeus, it was big shots trying to cause him to follow them instead of Jesus. Thirdly, like that vision I saw, <coughs> we need some spiritual aggression. You remember the paralyzed man, when they took the paralyzed man to Jesus to heal him, they couldn't get in the house. The Bible says the house was full and the all around the house was full. Look at the sheer determination of these men. Four men. They get a mat, right? They climb up on the roof. They break through the roof. Right? So what was my vision? Hand on a handle. Light, gentle touch. Okay. It's shut. Right? Not breaking through the... Please don't break the roof of LFC. Not breaking through the roof. There's a big difference there. And these men are commended. In every one of these situations, do you see what's happening? Crowds. Crowds. No room. No room. The woman with the issue of blood, there was crowds in front of her. With Zacchaeus, there's crowds of people, and he can't get to Jesus. With the cripple, there's crowds of people. There's no space for Jesus anymore. Number four. Even when Jesus came to earth in the womb of Mary, remember? And he went to the, to the inn, and they knocked the door of the inn. What did they say? There's no what? There's no room. Now, eyes forward, listen. The seed this weekend, the seed is the word. Amen? Right? It's a word of faith. And God wants to get the seed into you. Okay. And then it will do its work. Listen carefully. In Mary's womb was the and the seed is trying to get into the house. Can it get in? No, because there's no room. There's no room. You know that baby? Supernatural. Can you imagine being that innkeeper and not letting... The, the Son of God wants to be born in your house and you say no. Loopy. Crazy. And so it is with us though. It's, it's, it's no different, friends. God wants to get His supernatural seed into you, into me. And I ask myself, have I got the room? Oh, God, help me. Help me make room. Ironically, uh, after Jeanette died, I had to sell my house in Glasgow. At that time, I just had one. I'd sold the business to pay the medical bills and all that. And then we had to get rid of the stuff. And so it was a, it was a long time. But I went from having everything, a bit like many of you, You've got your house, got your car, got, got a, I had everything. So I went from all my stuff to no stuff in a rented little tiny apartment. And the only two things I had left was a desk because I had to store some sermons and a chair, which I didn't even use because I had to put them in storage because nowhere to put them. 
it is the most wonderful experience in the world to have stuff and then have no stuff. It really is. Yeah, I know you don't believe it. Don't worry about it. I hope you never have the experience. Jesus died on a cross and suffered so that you don't have to suffer. It says that Israel, this is what it says in the Bible, Israel went through many things so that you would learn. So you don't have to go through it. And I'm a leader. I'm an apostle. The apostle Paul says, we're put on display so that people know. And my life, my history is for your benefit. And I pray you get the benefit. And what I'm saying to you is I am no longer deceived by things. Did you have a nice seat when you came to our apartment, Timothy? Could you find a seat? <laughs> there was actually one. I got one in a skip. I've got one. We've got one wooden, one wooden seat. That's it. We've got a bed, got a fridge, got a cooker. But we don't have, she doesn't have stuff. She doesn't have things. Then she hardly had anything when I met her, but even the stuff she did have without any qualm, just gave everything away and turned up with a, a case. Hallelujah. It's a great way to be. It truly, truly is. I, I couldn't believe your apartment. I'm sorry. You know what I'm like. I just talk. I, I couldn't believe her apartment. When I turned up at her apartment for the first time in Colombia, she hadn't tidied up. <laughs> she had, there was nothing. There was nothing done. There's nothing in the apartment, just a table sitting there. I'm looking, thinking, and then I, the, the penny drops. And she's looking at me. It's a different culture. She's, are you interested in things? Because she's not. <laughs> Did you want things? Because I'm not interested in things. Huh? You can get things anywhere. Interested in people. God. Amen. The kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The thorns are things. So, this is how this works. The apostle Paul is on his horse. He doesn't get a choice. He's knocked off the horse. He's an apostle. So his life is taken as an example for all to see. So I'm living in Glasgow. I don't get a choice. You get the choice. God comes into my house and knocks the whole thing down. Get it? And then I'm sending you, go and tell them about stuff. I'm going to teach you, that I call it the tyranny of things. How they grip me. The love of this life. The love of, of wealth or riches. The love of security. Right? My, if, if, if you buy a house, that can give you security. And suddenly I don't need faith, do I? And then I'm drifting away from God, right? And so things have a subtle way. Remember, what's our theme? Making room for the supernatural. Now, Jesus says, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, you're not going to get nothing. The Bible's not going to make sense. And the parable of the sower is this. The seed is what you need. And the seed gets into you. But because of all the stuff, the seed gets choked by the cares of this life. I get taken up. It's just life. It's just, no, you know, it's normal life. So I, at this point in my life, I like a simple life. Not complicated. I don't need tons of money. I don't need, I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. In fact, it's a burden. I think Solomon was right. When I was younger... You know, a long time ago, I did want that because it was uh, maybe a lack of faith or experience. But now I absolutely don't want it. Rick Seward, as most of you know, died two years ago. And he, he taught us one day, I thought it was a great lesson. He said that when he travels around the world, that he has thousands and thousands of members, many very rich members. And people would come and say, Pastor, because he had a bad back, 
Pastor, I'm going to pay for you to travel first class for the rest of your life because I know you have a bad back and you're planting churches. And Rick, he would refuse multiple opportunities and he would travel in economy. And he told us, he taught us as RMDs, he said, gentlemen, I'm warning you that things, first class is a thing. When you go into the first class cabin, they make you feel like you're something. And he said, I, I would go in and I would sit down and suddenly everybody's my servant. And suddenly I, my mentality begins to change. And I got off the plane, a different person with a different attitude. Suddenly I felt superior. Been there? We've all been there. And he, he, he extracted himself from it and he said, I don't need those things. I'll go economy. It's actually better for me. There's a reason why Jesus was born in a stable, wore a seamless garment, sandals, kept it simple, didn't he? Kept it really simple. Plenty of room for the seed then, isn't there? Plenty of room for the seed to blossom and grow. The woman with the issue of blood, the thorns were people. Zacchaeus, the thorns were big cultural figures. And I warn you, in, in every culture, that's the case. Spiritual aggression. We need to exercise spiritual aggression or you'll never break through. And I, I, I encourage you to do that. Get aggressive in the spirit realm. Comfort. There was no room for Jesus in the inn because everybody inside is quite happy, thank you. No room for Jesus in here. And number five, just plain and simple sin. Oh, Jesus, I had a meeting with a pastor whose church has no cover. Got a phone call from one of the members in the LFC saying there's a church split has taken place in a part of London. Would you go and meet this pastor and talk to him? He wants you to cover the church. So I went down. We had a, a very nice time. Very, very sincere man. But we had a discussion about my workshop topic, LGBT. And he was, with great sincerity, he was saying to me, our, this new church, we're looking for cover, you know, we'd like to talk to you, but we need you to understand that we as a church will incorporate and accept homosexuals, lesbians, etc., etc. This will be part of our normal because the church has moved on. So it was a very nice conversation and I, I took great time and explained to him, his constant refrain back to me was this word, opinion. And he kept on saying to me, but in my opinion, and I kept on saying back to him, sir, can I humbly say this to you? I do not have an opinion. I have a Bible. Amen. So one of the problems with the modern church is telling everybody you're okay. When someone comes to, yeah, you're okay. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. May God raise up an army that's not afraid to tell people that you're not okay. What you're doing is not okay. Hello. But more and more pastors. When you got saved, you had to repent of your sin. Isn't that right? Well, to hang on to your salvation, you still need to repent. Isn't that right? Yeah, a bit louder. Isn't that right? Yeah. So be very careful. And you're going to have, as part of these weeds, you're going to have many people in the last days who are going to say, it. you're okay. Well, I've got news for you. You're not okay. You're not okay. Not by my opinion, by Scripture. Right? Correct? Amen. And so I had to explain to that guy, I want you to, 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 to live by the Bible, but he's not willing to do it. And we're going to meet again. He asked if he could come back again. I said, absolutely, no problem. 
I will do my best to guide you. But the Bible is your guide. The Bible is your light. I have exalted my word above my name. That ain't going to change. And you have not moved on. You've moved back. That's what's happened. Back to Roman times. You've moved backwards. So moving forward is growing in the things of God, not the things of this world. So don't be a yes man. Amen? Don't be a yes man. And lastly, the wonderful Jarius, if you remember. Could I have a keyboard person, please? You remember Jarius' daughter was dying. And, and it says in Scripture that there were so many people in the room that he was in his house that he wasn't even inside, right? And there was crowds outside. And once again, you have the same situation. You have the miracle, the supernatural trying to get in. And the supernatural is outside the house. Eyes forward, look at me, please. Do you know what happened? It says that Jarius went into the house, this is what it says, and he put all the people out. He put the people out, and what came in? Jesus and the supernatural. Hallelujah. And that's what you need to do this morning. This is one of four sessions. Session one last night. There's a difference in the natural and the supernatural. And God's trying to bring you into the supernatural. Session two this morning, but I ain't got no space. I used to have space with you. And now you've filled it all up with all that stuff. Possessions, money, family. These are good things, no problem. But they should never upstage Jesus. And things, that's why the parable of the sower, Jesus points as the, as the central parable of Scripture, because these weeds will continue to grow. And look, Lord, this morning we repent of the things of this life have grown up inside of us and blocked our passion and our vision of you. Do you remember Mary and Joseph? Well, Mary when the angel Gabriel appeared, remember that? And there she is, she's a young virgin, and the angel appears and says, you will be with child, and Mary's in, in, in awe. And she ends up and she says this, she says, be it done unto me in accordance with thy will. And then months later, she meets Elizabeth, and both these girls are sold out for Jesus, sold out for God. We're on the right road, God is in us, with us. What an exciting time. Fast forward 12 years. When Jesus was 12, Mary's family, remember? The family had grown up. And she decided to go with them. And what happened to Jesus? She lost Jesus for three days. Now I ask you, mothers, what mother? loses her child for three days. She was so taken up. It said there were celebrations. There was Passover. There's food. There's feasts. There's all stuff. What mother is not even conscious of your child for three days? The picture here is a maturing Christian who once was close to Christ. And if, he, if Jesus even moved one millimeter, you would move. You would follow him. But now, distance Oh God, I pray this weekend, like Saul, you come out of your stuff. 
and come back to Christ. By the way, he's not trying to take our stuff off you. He's not trying to take your stuff off you. Don't worry about the stuff. Amen. Don't worry about the stuff. It's not important. Let me finish by saying this. If you're in this room, eyes forward, please. Just one minute and I'm done. If you're in this room, it's highly likely that you're successful. And I want to say this to you. Did you get your job? Congratulations. I hope you've still got Jesus. Did you get your house? No problem. Well done. But I hope you've still got Jesus. Did you get your family? How's the kids? I hope they're well. But I hope you've still got Jesus in the midst of it all. Lord, with my brothers and sisters, this weekend I repent that you bless me and then the very blessings you give grow up around me and distract me and my comfort shuts you out. And Lord, this morning I lay it down. I set it down. I come up out of my stuff. (coughs) I was praying this morning for you. And I pray, you know, in, in John's gospel, Jesus prayed the high priestly prayer. Do you remember that? The high priestly prayer was this. He's just about to be crucified. And it's almost like Jesus says, do you know what, Father? It's okay. I'll take the cross. I'll take the, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But I ask you one thing. Once I die, I'll suffer. You're going to raise me. See then, will you bless them? Not just those who hear me, but also those who will come. Remember? High priestly prayer of Jesus. What he was doing there is he was seeing into the future and saying, you know what? I'll do this for these people. And this morning I was praying that for you. God. That God would bless you. If you're willing to come out of your stuff. So Samuel the prophet was there and Saul's not there. He's with the booze and the music, but not me. Jesus. Heart disease is one of the biggest killers in the world, naturally. I tell you what, folks, heart disease is one of the biggest killers of the relationship with Jesus Christ. Hard heart.
Ação.